This morning, we're going to talk about faith. And faith is something that is risky, and it requires vulnerability. And that sentence might actually sound a little strange to some of us, because many of us grew up with faith meaning sort of the opposite of that. It, it, it was more of a tool uh, p- to manipulate you to um, stay within the religious norms of your particular community. Uh, but faith is definitely something uh, that requires a lot of courage, and it's something that uh, is often unsafe and can even seem like uh, less than the wisest thing to do. So um, we're going to look at this gospel story here and see if we can explore some ways we see this risky and vulnerable faith coming into practice in the midst of an uncertain world and see if, see if we can gain some, some instruction from it. So when you, when you hear the phrase, uh, you got to have faith, or you need faith in the Lord. What does that bring bring up for you? Uh, for some of us, it meant uh, you've got to be in church all the time. Uh, it meant you've got to uh, make sure you don't listen to rap or rock and roll unless it's like DC Talk or something like that. That's a throwback for some of us here. Um, it, it might mean uh, you should vote Republican or you shouldn't dance. Um, it, it was a lot about what you shouldn't do or who you shouldn't hang out with or where you shouldn't be. If you had faith, then you wouldn't do all of those things. And to be sure, there are important elements of faith that require restraint. For example, if I have faith uh, that the institution of marriage is the place for physical intimacy um, to be practiced uh, sexually, then I will want to have the faith to restrain myself uh, from sex outside of marriage. Or if I have faith that God is my provider, then it might restrain me from cheating at work or on my taxes or an insurance claim or something like that. Or faith might restrain you from buying unethical products or clothing whenever you're able to do so. So faith can definitely be about restraint. But just as often, maybe even more often, uh, the Bible and Jesus points to faith as something that requires risky and vulnerable action. And that's what we're going to look at today as we look at this passage from the lectionary from Matthew 14. Um, This type of faith requires us to relinquish our sense of control. It requires us to believe in the type of ideals and ideas expressed in Jesus's Beatitudes. It requires us to imagine and to have the capacity to trust that good is greater than evil, that love is stronger than hate, that forgiveness is more excellent than revenge. In the book of Hebrews, the writer says, Now faith is the substance 
of things hoped for, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So let's talk about the perilous journey of faith and what the substance of that consists of. In verse 22, it says this, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. This passage, it starts out, it says, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He's, it's kind of like, he's like, man, y'all be all right. You're fi- a bunch of y'all are fishermen. Like, go, go on ahead, get on the boat. I got some other th- stuff to do. And I think this is where I and, and maybe you find yourself mentally sometimes, emotionally sometimes, is, is we imagine that, like, we're off on our own, and that's kind of the way God wants it. That's kind of the way Jesus wants it. It's like, you're off on your own in the middle of the lake, and I'm off doing important spiritual things. So you just kind of need to, like, handle... Uh, life yourself. Um, and, and, and this is an easy thought to kind of maintain because we like our freedom, at least when things are going well for us. And we like to imagine that maybe God's too busy. So as we move on here, it says later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but this, this description of the water and the waves and everything, it makes it seem like the disciples are in kind of in trouble. And it reminds me of the other passage where they're in trouble and Jesus calms the storm and, and that kind of thing. And I have to, I just kind of wonder, like, aren't these guys fishermen? Like, why are they scared on the boat so often? I mean, it seems like it's so often that they're like, they're scared on the boat. Um, and I'm like, man... What did they do before Jesus was around? Like, how did they how did they cope with fishing without Jesus? Uh, but uh, yeah, I think there's definitely a spiritual analogy here uh, because the readers of the book of Matthew, the original readers, were part of a a fledgling church that was in persecution. They were being persecuted from a lot of different sides, and so they would have easily been able to see themselves as the disciples in the boat, Jesus high up and far off somewhere, being attacked by existential threats. And there's plenty of Christian communities that feel that way uh, today, both here and abroad. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a, um, a Zoom prayer meeting that World Relief hosted, another one of our partner organizations. And in it, they their goal was to let uh, pastors of immigrant congregations share uh, specifically how their congregations are dealing with the pandemic and the, all of the racial upheaval uh, for, for racial equality, and, and then pray. Uh, pray for our city, for their congregation, for, for believers, and for the city in general. And uh, so I got to hear uh, what, what struggles uh, they're having. Uh, being immigrants under... Uh, a president who is is trying to bring all types of restrictions, really violent policies towards uh, the immigration population. They talked about people, family members that were stuck different places. They talked about people that were sick, that were scared to go to the doctor uh, because of uh, threats of deportation um, and, and things like that. And um, it was difficult, and I can imagine that they 
they would feel similar uh, to the disciples. But, you know, I, I think you and I can relate to it as well. I think, um, I think this idea of feeling alone, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm, I'm feeling scared or afraid, and uh, it triggers a feeling in me that reminds me of other times where I felt like I was totally alone, even, even when I wasn't. I'm going to give you an illustration. Um, I had to find some wedding pants uh, to help officiate Rachel's wedding, and I went to uh, the K and G superstore that was that was right uh, by my house because I thought I could get there faster, get in and out faster. And uh, when I went in there, I uh, I'm really embarrassed to say this, but um, I ended up they, they don't really they don't really have like it's more of like an outlet kind of store kind of thing. And um, dress pants aren't really something I can buy the way I usually buy my other clothes. I've tried to find uh, like fair trade stuff and things like that because that's a big deal to me. But um, I had to pick out my own pants. And what I ended up doing, oh my gosh, I ended up buying, Lord help me, some uh, pleated dress pants. So um, I didn't really understand what the implications of that were, the old man implications of that. And I also paid to have them tailored. And what I could have and should have done was ask for help. And uh, sure, there were some limitations and things like that, but I'm used to trying to like solve these problems for myself. So I tried them on, showed them to Becky, and she tried to act like they were okay, but they weren't. So after that, I went to Men's Warehouse. And I walked in, and a lady said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I need some, some dress pants. And uh, she took me over and asked me what my size was and pulled out a couple of options. And I said, none of those are pleated, are they? And she said, she started laughing. She's like, oh, no, we don't carry any pleated pants here. Like, we're not back in the 80s here or anything like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course not. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't think you would. I was just wondering, you know. So um, all that to say, you know, I, I ended up almost making a fashion disaster alone in the boat. Um, <laughs> so to speak, uh, with my pants. And uh, that's a funny example, but I think it's, it's, it's a, a good description, a modern-day description, because I don't think any of you are fishermen, uh, about how we can try to solve problems on our own. And we don't think we have help, and least of all, help from Jesus. Jesus is obviously too busy, too distant, uh, too far away from us. Um <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Thanks, babe. No exaggerations there, she says. So, yeah, so we can relate to the disciples here. And, and then in, in verse 25, it says here that shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And, uh, you know, I think again, I mean, there's so much to relate to here with the disciples because they, they, when they see Jesus, Jesus is not where he normally is. He's not walking on the ground, he's walking on water, and it's before dawn, so it's probably pretty dark outside. And they see Jesus and they're like, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. And um, it makes me think about where we started with this talk that, you know, that, um, that uh, you know, religion and the idea of faith is off was often used to kind of confine 
our religious experiences to these small sort of don't do things. And, and the disciples had a context that was defined and confined as to where and how Jesus would operate. And so when they saw him outside of that context, they thought he was a ghost, like they didn't even recognize him. And I think sometimes this small idea of faith and what, you know, what we were handed or grew up with, um, what kind of sits in our brain that we think is from God about faith, it keeps us from recognizing where Jesus is and what Jesus is doing in the world around us. And we say, oh, that's just a ghost. That's, that's something to be uh, afraid of or um, at least to write off as not being God. It, it makes me think of uh, my little girl, Malia. They, they were asking, like, uh, her, uh, her and Benjamin were asking, like, what do, you, what do you and Mama do when we go to bed? Like, you stay up later? Like, what do you do? And I said, well, last night I did this, Malia, and, and I, I stayed up kind of late. And she said, well, did you see any ghosts? And I said, no, Malia, I didn't see any ghosts. And part of the reason is because ghosts aren't real. Um, but, and I shared with her, you know, I've actually stayed up all night before. That kind of blew her mind, you know. But the, the point is, you know, my little girl, she, she's only four. She didn't have a lot of experiences uh, in the world yet. And so those things that are unknown to her, they kind of take the form of a ghost or a monster or things like that. Same with my little boy, with Benjamin. And uh, I think that happens to us when we, when we live such a confined and safe life, a little boat in a giant, a giant stormy sea where everything starts to look like a ghost, like something dangerous, like, like something that we can't have trust or faith in that it, that it could be different. And granted, I mean it's hard. This is a this is a scary world that we live in. This this picture we see of the fishermen huddled together on a boat in a storm. Um, it's I mean that's a lot of what life feels like for me right now. Uh, when I'm looking at the news and things like that, and and seeing the things that people are going through. So Jesus says, "Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid." Don't be afraid. I'm walking on the water towards you in the middle of a storm. Yeah, I'm going to be afraid. <laughs> Let's see what happens next. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Peter doesn't calculate the risk. He doesn't think about what might happen to him. He recognizes Jesus, and he jumps out that boat. The man has some serious faith and impulsivity. Uh, but, but Peter wants to meet Jesus where Jesus is, and Jesus is coming towards him already. But he knows enough about Jesus already that, that this doesn't even seem to be a hard decision, at least at first, for him to hop out of the boat and start coming after Jesus because he knows that Jesus wants to train him, to teach him, to disciple him. When he says, follow me, that's what it implies, right? Jesus is his rabbi, his teacher. And Jesus has already led them into miraculous things. 
I mean, standing up to the power structures of the day, the religious and political power structures, healing the sick, feeding the hungry. You know, Peter might might have thought, like, walking on water, like, that's kind of a cakewalk compared to this other stuff. It's like a parlor trick more than anything. Like, this is not as serious as the other things that we've, we've already been doing. But then it says he became afraid uh, when he saw the wind. As he was standing on top of water, he became afraid. I don't, I don't know about you, but yeah, me too, Peter. Like, I would be afraid also. Um, I might, maybe, I don't know, I might have the impulsivity of Peter to jump out, the, that, that just uh, single thin line of faith right there. But I don't think, and I, I'm pretty sure I've heard this before growing up, I don't think the lesson here uh, in this story is to not be like Peter or to keep your eyes on Jesus or to have more faith in Peter. I, I don't think that's what this passage is about. Uh, I, I think um, this is more about, are you willing to get out of the boat? Are you willing to get out of the boat of control to walk on the waters of of uncertainty to where only Jesus can save you. For example, uh, in relationships, have you ever found yourself or were you ever taught, uh, not explicitly, nobody's taught this explicitly usually, but um, have you ever been taught through action, through seeing other people in, in your family or in your life that I'll do it if you do it, I will if you will, or um, I will, you know, more specifically, if you forgive me, I'll forgive you. If you admit you were wrong, then I'll admit I was wrong. This is like walking on stormy water, friends. This is, this is the hard work of faith. Uh, what if, so, so what if we did have faith in some of those areas? What if, what if we were able to, without knowing what would happen, just like Peter didn't actually know, that's why it's called faith. It's the substance of things not seen. Um, to, to, to get out of that boat, what if we did? What if we were able to say, I'm sorry first? We would find ourselves in the company of Jesus. Remember, Jesus said when the disciples asked him, how many times should we forgive Jesus? Seven times. That's pretty good, right? Seven times. He said, no, 77 times, meaning, you know, like you just keep on forgiving. And, and, the, and the inevitable question is like, how can you live that vulnerable, that risky and the answer is it takes faith. That, that's what faith is. That's the substance of faith. What, what, if, what if we didn't have to wait until we, uh, until we knew all the answers or agreed with everything that an organization or a group of people that was standing up for the human rights of others, the rights of black folks, immigrants, the socially awkward, those who don't conform to gender norms. That's walking on water, friends. It takes faith. It takes faith. Why would anyone think that somebody rolling in a cruise ship of beliefs on steady waters, that their beliefs would line up to those holding on to pieces of wood in a stormy sea? Of course, the people who are battered and drowned by the systems in place are going to have a different perspective. And so it takes faith and requires faith to meet those people in that stormy sea where I believe Jesus is there. Uh, I, can, I can remember waiting and trying to manipulate a, a, a situation in relationships to get somebody to forgive me first 
so I didn't have to risk, so I could stay in that boat of comfort, even though I was in the midst of a stormy sea. Can you relate to that? You ever done that before? Um, but to be vulnerable is to have faith, is to get out of the boat. So what happens when you get out of the boat? You sink. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we don't want to do it. I can remember uh, one time in middle school, uh, I had moved here, moved to Memphis. I was actually in Cordova. And uh, I had been having some trouble with a friend of mine at school. And it, it, it was looking bad. It turned out we were going uh, we were, we were to have to fight it out. You know, we were about to throw hands. And uh, we did that. Uh, it was a Friday night basketball game. And uh, we met in the, in the guy's bathroom. And a bunch of the other middle school boys formed a circle in the bathroom. And, and we got into a fight. And I whooped him. And uh, he was a little guy, too. I mean, he was, very, he was a small guy. He had, you know, had that little man syndrome where he, was trying to, he wanted to pick fights with everybody. And I, you know, I just felt really bad about it, actually. And I, you know, on Monday, the day you know, after the weekend, I like, tried to make peace with him and apologize to him. And you know what he did? He went around telling everybody, oh, man, Jamin's soft because he, he's like, I didn't, I wasn't the one trying to repair things. Like, I was ready to go again, you know, and he was over here trying to make pee. He must have been scared of me, right? And that's just, you know, it's kind of a, it's just a silly kind of childhood example, but it shows, you know, why this is hard, why faith is difficult. You know, it's difficult to, like, do the old school like faith kind of thing in, in a in certain you know religious communities where it's like if you have faith you go to church all the time like that's difficult in a different kind of way, but it sure ain't the same as being vulnerable and stepping out and and trying to forgive people and stand up uh, for people the way that Jesus is talking about that so well um, uh, the picture is so well painted here in this passage. So. You'll sink. You've, you've had experiences like this, probably with boyfriends or girlfriends, just regular friends, parents. You found yourself sinking. This is where Jesus does his best work, when we're sinking. Got to get out of the boat a lot of times to have this kind of interaction with Jesus. Um, this is true of us as a church. We've, we've gotten out of the boat in different ways, coming from a very particular uh, sort of religious framework and tradition, uh, we've gotten out of the boat as we went egalitarian. We've gotten out of the boat as as we have stripped down the requirements of of what it means to be a partner with us, uh, adhering to the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and just our eight practices, like living out the faith, getting out of the boat of safety, walking into the stormy water to where Jesus is. We got to get out of the boat, my friends. What better time to practice this when the, when the world is all in storms all around us? So let's finish up this passage here. Peter begins to sink in verse 31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus uses a common descriptor here he uses through the book of Matthew, uh, little faith. It's, almost, it's like uh, here 
Um, it's like a description. Uh, the way it reads a lot of times in the Greek is is like almost like a noun. Like you're you're you are like a little faith. Um, it's always almost became a term of endearment for Jesus to his disciples. But you know, if I was Peter, and Jesus just pulled me up and he said that to me, he said you have little faith, I would have been like, huh? Like looking like anybody else get out of that boat? Like, huh? Like, who's he talking to? He can't be talking. I'm the one who got out of the boat and walked on water. Nobody else did that, right? And I, I wonder um, I wonder what it is that Peter doubted. I, I don't think he doubted Jesus because the minute he started sinking, he cried out for Jesus to save him. So he, he didn't doubt Jesus. Maybe he was doubting himself more. Maybe he's doubting his own worth, his own intentions as he got out there. Like, why did I do this again? What am I thinking? Maybe it's just overwhelmed with fear. In any instance, this put him in the best possible situation to be saved by Jesus. So, so Peter had a very real and concrete experiential understanding of the salvation that Jesus could bring. Hey, whoa. Yeah. So we're not talking anything about some head knowledge here with this faith. This is a faith of complete action. What about all the other disciples in the boat? I wonder, wonder what their perspective was. Uh, maybe they never had to question these things about themselves that Peter was questioning, what he was doubting. They never had to interrogate those parts of themselves. And so maybe they even were kind of smug about it. Maybe they, maybe they even found themselves out of a defense mechanism uh, criticizing Peter for his recklessness. Like, oh, psh, of course, look, hey, Jesus said you have little faith. Not at all realizing uh, the contrast there, the irony. Um, they also benefited from this leap of faith that Peter made. They all, it says they all worshipped him, worshipped Jesus as the Son of God at the end of this passage. And they got to see what would happen if somebody did step out in faith the way Peter did. So they really benefited from the risk that Peter took. They also don't know Jesus like Peter knows Jesus in this moment. Peter has come to a much more intimate understanding of who Jesus is and how much Jesus cares for him because he put himself in this risky and vulnerable position. And this is just relationships, friends. We can only get so much out of a relationship with anybody. Uh, God, Jesus not excluded, if we don't risk, if we don't practice vulnerability, if we don't practice faith. So it's in the realm of faith that those that get out of the boat end up crying out the most for the hand of Jesus. That's vulnerability. If you want to understand it, you got to get out of the boat. And as, as I close here, I just want to remind you that the storm didn't pass when, when Peter got out of the boat. It says he was afraid because of the wind. Faith is not a, a free pass to not have to deal with reality. It's not magical thinking. And, and if I just believe this, then bad things will go away. Faith is courage. It's the substance of things not seen, primarily the kingdom of heaven, 
the type of world that Jesus said was possible, that's, that's right below the surface, that Paul said, this word is very near to you. And he was talking about in the spirit and the person of Jesus, quoting from the ancient text of Deuteronomy. It's the Beatitudes, um, talking about blessings to those who are poor, those who are hungry, those who are needy. So, my friends, my beloved Christ City congregation, let us continue to find ways to practice getting out of the boat, to operating in the realm of faith. Blessings to you. Hey, I want to remind you, um, there's some questions. Uh, we always have questions uh, that you can interact further with the sermon, and uh, those are posted uh, in the description. So you can, you can check those out. There's three questions there for you to, to meditate on and, and think about uh, how you might uh, connect this to your life more so. And um, I look forward uh, to seeing you all. It's so great to see some of you uh, this weekend uh, at, at Rachel's wedding. And I hope to see some of you on the porch this week. And I love you all. Please reach out if you need anything. We're signing off. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you.